Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Eloquentia perfecta ex machina. Welcome to Eloquentia perfecta ex machina, a podcast series devoted to the teaching of rhetoric and composition with and through a range of media, and focusing on the writing program at St. Louis University. On this podcast, we interview instructors about how and why they use multimodal approaches, and we have instructors interview other instructors about the nuts and bolts of particular tools and assignments. On today's episode, episode 12, regular Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina contributor Byron Gilman Hernandez interviews Carrie Nelson about her experiences as a first-time instructor in SLU's writing program. Among several things, they discuss the challenges and possibilities of the multimodal project. Well, hello. I'm Byron. I'm in the studio here with one of SLU's new PhD students, Carrie. Carrie, thank you for joining me on Eloquentia Perfecta Ex Machina. Thank you for having me. And we're here today because Carrie is a first-time teacher at SLU, and we wanted to talk a little bit about that first-time teacher experience here in our program. So Carrie, can you tell us a little about what your students are currently working on? Uh, my students have actually moved into their multimodal projects at this point. All right. Uh, yeah, it, there's, there's some interesting things going on. Um, I have quite a lot of Students who are just, they just want to work with normal presentations, like something like a Prezi and then a question and answer session. And then I have a couple students. One wants to do a Twitter thread. And I thought that was very interesting because I have no idea how it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've kind of found so far that there's a lot of interesting things that can happen with this multimodal. Wow. So you've got uh, presentations, social media. Are there people doing videos, audio? Yeah. Um, I have a couple trying to do a podcast. Um, and then I have actually maybe five students who want to try and do a video. They're a little apprehensive and they've been asking me for assistance and I don't know how much I can actually help. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is uh, a lot of different approaches there. So I was wondering, like, you know, how has your semester been going with that then? Um, it seems like a lot of new opportunities and a lot of difference there. Yeah, it's it's been a on a very steep learning curve, I suppose is a good way to put it. Um, because this is my first time teaching. I will, com I'm completely honest. I had a panic attack the first day of classes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had to take maybe about 15 minutes to just breathe, stop. It's a syllabus day. You can do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are freshmen. Um, and then, but by the end of the week, like I have a really great, great group of students and we just have conversations. We just kind of work through what they think they need help on. And I think that's been really great. All right. Yeah. And uh, sort of coming from that first day experience, I'm a little curious, like what resources when writing your syllabus, working through all that, what you made use of, what you found useful and helpful for you? Uh, I think the best thing has just been kind of the community um, in the department so far. Um, Dr. Paul Lynch has been really great. I can go to him with any questions. His syllabus was a really great guide because I had never made one before. Mm -hmm. um, and then I go to a lot of the other English graduate students and ask, how did you approach this? What's your experience with the, this kind of situation? What do I do here when I have problems? So that's really just been the, my first go-to. Do you happen to remember any specific questions you've asked your fellow grad students? Dealing with student absences has been something that I didn't know how to approach because as a student, I am very anxious when I miss classes, but I understand that not everybody is. And I didn't know where the point was, like where I need to be difficult about it and say, no, this is the line and you've started to cross it and have that conversation. Um, so in the feedback was pretty much it's really awkward and it's really uncomfortable, but you're it the is. professor and you have to do it. And so. were you so were you able to handle that? Yes, um, we ended up having 
well, I ended up having to go to the the advisor for this student as well as having conversations and emails. Um, but it's mostly sorted itself out now. Hasn't missed any in a couple of weeks. So okay. <laughs> it was successful, yeah. moderately. Good news. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll say this as a third year teacher <laughs> here. Um, absences are still dogging me. Yeah. <laughs> Finding a good balance of policy of, you know, not being too draconian, mm-hmm. um, treating them like adults, but at the same time, not having the student who misses five classes. And you're at the point where if you miss one more, you fail the course type deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned with your multimodal projects that the students are going all out. And I assume you've, do you have any background experience with anything like the multimodal projects from your times as a student yourself? Um, I have presentation kind of background, so I could give them more resources on how to make that a little bit more interesting. Um, But I haven't really, I don't think I've worked independently on a video ever. Um, I did a small portion of it, mostly behind the scenes with a group in my undergraduate experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never made a podcast. I've never made, I don't have Twitter. (laughs) So I've never made some kind of Twitter feed or anything like that. So Mm. Um, it'll be it'll be a learning experience. I'm excited to see what they can kind of have you been do. talking to people about um, Twitter in particular? It seems so out there. Yeah, um, I had a conversation with uh, Laura. She's the other new pe- one of the other new students. Um, and she's like, yeah, I don't know exactly how that's going to go, but I believe she said she has a student who's doing something kind of off the wall as well. and she's mm-hmm. very excited to see what's going to happen because you get a lot more kind of off the cuff things that are going to happen there as opposed to this is a presentation and this is what you do during a presentation. Yeah. I make my students have to do, um, I'm, I'm very interested in multimodal stuff. So I require <laughs> my students to have like kind of a social media, uh, one of their papers, they write, how would you promote this using physical or social media or whatnot? Mm-hmm. And I'd be actually really interested to see what this student does with sort of an academically rigorous Twitter thread. <laughs> yeah. But um Sort of also for my own education, because I'm pretty good with getting students to use Audacity and podcasts and okay with like graphic design and stuff um, and presentations. I am terrible still at video. Has there been any resources you found that has helped you for teaching students to use video? Um, I think I found a couple um, troubleshooting articles that I gave my students. Um, If you're thinking about doing a video, you might want to consider these are the things that could go wrong. So plan for these things. And then there are a couple online video production sites that I found were interesting. I only played around with them a little bit so I could tell Mm -hmm. them these are some of the things you can do. But um, they were they were almost dummy proof, which (laughs) which is very necessary in my case for, <laughs> for kind of these multimodal things. Mm-hmm. Well, I always had, um, we had a couple, I believe we also have one, one of our brown bags is about this, mm-hmm. um, our brown bag series of uh, education workshops at SLU is about making, uh, using iMovie, making videos. And I've done about three of them <laughs> for, I believe all the three semesters I taught 1900. And um, I would do that. And I'd find those videos and, like you said, like all the dummy proof, how to use iMovie. And I'd sit down in front of my students and I'd try to recreate it. Like I'd have like, okay, I kind of get this. And then sit down in front of the students, in front of the class. I'm like, oh, this is a disaster. (laughs) So what I've kind of found as a useful trick is that I don't actually have to be 
really great at teaching you how to use video because like, and my justification for this is this isn't a video editing course. Yeah. This is an introductory rhetoric course um, with a multimodal mm -hmm. focus. And like I tell my students, like, you know, if your video doesn't turn out to be what you hoped it was, the important thing is learning about what resources are available to you, learning about how to use those resources, and learning how to adapt to your ability to use those resources. So I tell them pretty flat out, I'm not a great resource for videos, but there's a lot of stuff online. Some of your peers might be good. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, peer teaching is kind of what I want to lean on next time because every now and then you get students who, like you're saying, who are like really creative. Some of them have a lot of really strong background. Have you found anything like that amongst your students? Um, yeah, I have a student who wants to create a website. Mm. And she said she's had a lot of fun creating web, excuse me, websites in, um, she's, I guess in high school, um, freshman, but she had a lot of fun creating them and she showed me a little bit of what she could do with it because I wasn't quite sure how creating a website might work. It might be too big of a project mm -hmm. and she really does have a, you can tell she has fun with it and they're pretty, they're pretty good. Yeah. So looking to the future here, I think, and, uh, I modeled sort of this interview after an assignment I have for my own students. Like I said, they have to write a paper about what resources worked, what didn't, and all mm -hmm. that. But one of the questions I really like asking students is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started? I wish I knew specifically more of what was available at the beginning. Because mm -hmm. um, as I've gone and we've gone through the projects with the students, I've been learning as they are. Um, when we had our library visit, I learned the library resources with them because I'm new. Um, and then with the CAI lab, I've learned a lot of what's available here as I was presenting it to them. So I think it would have been helpful in the beginning as I was trying to plan syllabus and assignments to have kind of known that information beforehand. I don't know if there's any way that could have been possible because I moved just a couple of weeks before. Um, but I think that would have been <laughs> pretty helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, yeah, making sure like all the resources are available, the institutional knowledge between graduate students, always yeah. useful uh, to be <laughs> able to pass that along to the <laughs> next crop that'll be coming in next year. Yeah. But even before then, you'll be teaching 1900 um, next semester. Mm -hmm. And you've already got your schedule and probably your theme as well for that. Yes. Um, do you have any plans for how you'll do next semester differently as your second time teaching 1900? Yeah, I have a couple of ideas. There were mm -hmm. things that were some rough patches. I've had problems with presenting grammar at this point, and my students don't tend to like grammar, and I was hesitant to force it on them. I think I'm going to spend a little bit more time on it <laughs> next semester, so common errors that just impact clarity are just... Do you have any plans on how you're going to teach that? I'm hoping to do short quizzes, so present a couple of grammar problems that I saw consistently this semester, and every week or maybe every other week having a little quiz where they had to correct mistakes on sentences that have those grammatical errors, just so they can try and put them in practice. Obviously, I haven't done that before. Um, but it did work on me <laughs> when one of my professors <laughs> did it. So hopefully it will work on them. All right. Um, my 
next semester, I'm like, I really want to do a schoolhouse rock video at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Just grammar, just, you know, throw that at them. Mm -hmm. Um, But are there any other ideas you have? So grammar and... Yes, I didn't have many traditional homework assignments. I, I focused on their major projects more. Um, and I think that might have been a mistake. Um, it, it made creating lesson plans much more contingent on them just doing the reading without having an assignment t- attached mm-hmm. to it. Um, and that was hit or miss. I, have, I do have a good group of students. So there was always a group of people who did the reading and had listened to what I had asked them to pay attention to and had some commentary to, for us to work through. Um, but there were some days where the reading was just not up anybody's alley and they were not interested and there was that awkward no discussion s- silence where I'm just trying to get something from them. Yeah, um. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah, especially first year. Yeah. Um, and I'm also uh, the multimodal project in particular, learning from students who like uh, what they were able to do with their technology that you and I don't know how to do with like websites and social media and whatnot. But do you have any ideas for how you're going to do that differently? Not yet, because we've only really just finished the statement of purpose. So I have some idea of what they want to do, but not real specifics on how they're going to do it yet. But I think hopefully it will, I'll be able to learn as we go. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. Um, I would really like to start it maybe a week earlier than I did this semester um, spend a little less time perhaps on the statement of purpose because they didn't seem to have any problem with figuring out what they needed to put in there, having just come off the disologoi assignment. So hopefully I will get, be able to give them an extra week on the multimodal to be able to work in class, work with each other, and kind of work through things because um, that break coming right in the middle of when they're working on it I don't know how that's going to turn out yet, if they're going to completely ignore the assignment or if they're really going to focus on it. Yeah, so it sounds like good planning there. And uh, kind of a final question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any idea of how you might incorporate a drone into your 1900 class next semester? Because we have one of those. (laughs) Um, Does it have a camera on it? That's an important question that I have not actually looked into. Okay. If it has a camera... I can figure something out. <laughs> we can we can bring in a bunch of classes together and make this a wider experiment. What kind of video footage can you possibly get off of a drone that might be useful for your multimodal project? I assumed it had a drone. It had a camera. It probably has a camera. I was thinking about how can I incorporate pictures of rooftops? Yeah. In some kind of 1900 like a geo rhetoric of looking at like space from a perspective you literally can't as a student like what the roof of your dorm looks like (laughs) that kind of google earth perspective but all right well thank you very much for joining me uh on this carrie i really appreciate you being here yeah thank you for having me that was uh eloquentia perfecta ex machina thank you very much for listening If you'd like to get involved in this podcast series, to share an assignment or tool, or even to pitch an interview, please contact me, Nathaniel Rivers, at nathaniel.rivers at slu.edu.
eloquentia perfecta ex machina.